Turn up the volume and pay attention. This isn't a f***ing hipster music podcast. This is a world of music with no boundaries. A world where punk rock, alternative music, Japanese pop, underground metal, the occasional mainstream release that doesn't suck, and whatever other genres we feel like talking about, all collide in a brilliant sonic stew. Join musician and writer CJ Marsicano and his revolving cast of co-conspirators and guest stars as they discuss all worthy things musical. Strap yourselves in tight, motherfuckers, because we're going to get into the groove, celebrate music and celebrate life. This is the Groove Music Life Podcast. Good hello, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Groove Music Life Podcast, episode number two for Friday, October 9th, 2020. And yeah, I almost forgot to October 9th is, uh, would have been John Lennon's 80th birthday. Who'd have thought? Damn, I wish you were still around. Anyway, as you know, we're a couple of days removed from the sad events of the uh, passing of Eddie Van Halen from cancer. This past Tuesday, he was 65 years old. A big shock all around the world. Not too hard to lose track of all the tributes that have been paid to him by a veritable who's who of musicians. But that's the power of Eddie Van Halen's career since 1978-79. My God. I'm not going to be all maudlin, though. We're going to celebrate Eddie Van Halen's legacy by discussing the top five Van Halen albums to get if you don't have any Van Halen albums. And if you don't... Oh my God, there's no better time to catch up. Before we get to that, I want to do a couple of shout-outs and get rid of a little business first. First, a couple of shout-outs. First, I got to shout-out a few friends of mine. First, my friends Lucia and Glenn, who just got married this past Saturday. I would have been there as long as a lot of other people, but with all the uh, COVID uh, BS going around, uh, they had to do a small ceremony, but they did uh, broadcast it online on their Facebook page, so I got to see it. I wish those two all the best. I got to hang out with them like last year when we went to see Iron Maiden at the Barclays Center in New York. Fantastic show and fantastic company to spend the day with. So Lucia and Glenn, I wish you a very happy and long marriage. The second shout-out, I want to shout out... A friend of mine, Shannon, who some of you might know as Daphne Unger from WCW and uh, TNA Wrestling. Uh, Shannon had some uh, surgery the past, uh, a couple weeks ago rather, and then afterwards she got here with a bout of pneumonia. But she's home now, she's resting comfortably. So a big shout out and a big hug to her from me. Now to get the business part out of the way, you could get a shout out once we get our Patreon page set up. I'm still working on it, I want to tweak a few things, we'll have it up by the next episode. But one of the perks that happens when you uh, join a Patreon is you get a shout-out in the next episode. And that's guaranteed, no matter what amount you pledge. Of course, you can let us know how, what you think of this show and make any suggestions by following us on social media. Whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, the username for all three accounts is at TGML Podcast. You can also email us at TGMLPodcasts at gmail.com. You can also leave a voice message and you can be heard on the next episode of this show if you go to our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash podcast, And you can leave a voice message about anything pertaining to this show, make suggestions, 
maybe for this week's episode, in response to this episode, give us your memories of Eddie Van Halen, your thoughts about his passing or his music or his career. Make comments, make suggestions, whatever. There's also an option at the Anchor page to support the show financially there. That's an option. You don't have to do it. Easiest thing you can do, of course, like with any podcast, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Share the podcast with your friends. We're a new podcast. It's going to be slow going, but uh, every uh, piece of help counts. All right. uh, Looking back to episode one, we were talking about uh, albums that would be coming out this month. Of course, last Friday, Blackpink's long-awaited full-length album came out entitled The Album, came out on CD and digital Vinyl copies are going to be making their way to the stores and to people who pre-order them by mail over the next week. And uh, I could not wait for this album. I was actually last uh, Thursday night at midnight or Friday morning at midnight, whatever you want to call it. I was actually in bed with my phone in my hand, Spotify booted up, listening to the whole album for the first time. And I was not disappointed at all. The album is solid. The six new tracks are all great, especially uh, Love Sick Girls and uh, Love to Hate Me and You Never Know. I'm not sure what Cardi B adds to this song, Bet You Wanna, considering that uh, Lisa and Jenny are much better rappers than Cardi is. And a few more notes about the album. Half the songs are in English, which is a very nice surprise. Uh, Jenny and Jisoo co-wrote Love Sick Girls, which uh, the label was referring to as the sort of title track of the album. Not sure what the logic is there, but I'm not going to argue it's a great tune with a great video to uh, go with it. All the songs in general have uh, a lot more musical depth than uh, what's been coming out of American pop over the past 10 years plus or so. That's to be expected, really, when it comes to Korean pop, Japanese pop, too. I think the only uh, gripes I have about the album, well, for one thing, it's too short to be an album like I'm used to. It's only about 24 minutes long, and it's eight songs. Then again, a lot of albums in the 50s and 60s were about 25 to 30 minutes long, so maybe getting back to basics if you want to look at it that way. And I have seen in a couple of other reviews I saw of the album the day it came out that uh, the short length of the album does leave you wanting more, which is a good thing. Then again, all the EPs that Blackpink put out over the past three and a half years pretty much did the same thing, left you wanting more. So they're onto something there. In the meantime, I think the next thing coming out from Blackpink's camp is a solo single from Rosé, who is kind of like my favorite member of the band because she's also a guitar player and a pretty good one at that. There's all kinds of clips of Rosé playing guitar either backstage or on stage. She's been playing guitar since like she was uh, in her early teens and piano too. Also, I should point out, if you haven't heard the Blackpink album yet and you're interested in checking it out and you want to get a physical copy, the CD version is going to be pretty big. It's not going to be a normal CD. It's going to be in like a big black box or a big pink box because it's got not just a CD, but it's also got a fat, a hardcover photo book and a bunch of other tchotchkes in there. And it's going to cost you 24 bucks. So given the length of the album, you're paying a dollar a minute for the album, but... The packaging and the music and the production and everything and the performance, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's already one of my favorite albums of the year. And that's enough me rambling and babbling about Blackpink for this episode. Let's get down to the main topic of this week's episode, and that's the five Van Halen albums that you should own. 
especially if those of you out there don't own any Van Halen albums. Maybe you've played random songs off of Spotify or Apple Music in the past, or definitely in the past few days since the news of his passing uh, happened. And that's how Van Halen's music should be studied and examined and enjoyed in album form, not just random singles, certainly not on a greatest hits album. They were an album band, not a singles band. And these five albums that I picked out and I'm highlighting on this week's episode are the ones you definitely should have in your collection right now, or at least right after this episode. Number five. A Different Kind of Truth, their last album from 2012, their last studio album, the first LP they did with David Lee Roth since 1984, and the first new music from Van Halen with David Lee Roth since 1996 when he did two songs on a uh, Best of Van Halen album back then. And yeah, a lot of the songs on this album date back to when David was first in the band, the period from 1978 to 1984, but those guys were so prolific that it's hard to let material like that sit on the show for so long. I mean, look at uh, the closing track on 1984 House of Pain dated back to the first album from what I understand. But let's face it, getting back to the fact that they accessed a lot of old material for this album, not the whole album, but key parts of it. Let's put it this way. When you're getting the old band back together, one of the best things to do is pick up where you left off. And they did that in spades with a different kind of truth. I was not disappointed in the album. I know when this album came out, some people wanted to just talk shit about it from the get-go. They're like, oh, this isn't that good about it. Where's Michael Anthony's uh, vocals? The harmonies did not change in that band. The playing did not change in that band. It is still a Van Halen album, a classic Van Halen album, the classic Van Halen sound that we all grew up with. And when I say we, I mean people from my generation and back. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's an album you should give more than a second listen to if you dismiss it the first time around. And if you haven't heard it yet, you should check it out. I mean, a lot of highlights from the album Tattoo, You and Europe Blues, which is my favorite cut off the album, She's a Woman, Stay Frosty, Beats Working. There's so many great tracks on there. I could not get enough of the album when it first came out. I only started to listen to it this week after Eddie died, but it, it has held up very well. And I think it's going to hold up for a long time and be up there with the rest of the uh, classic Van Halen catalog. Number four on my list. This was the first Van Halen album I ever bought back in 1980, and that was their current album at the time, Women and Children First. In fact, I'm looking at my original copy of that vinyl LP right now in my studio as I'm recording this podcast. And at the risk of getting personal, at the time this record came out, I was only playing guitar for not even a year, and I was trying to absorb as many guitar players as I could at the time, no matter who they were, of course... One of the ones on the list had to be Eddie Van Halen. And this was the album I grabbed. I think I bought it at Kmart for six bucks. Actually, when uh, the day Eddie died and I got home from work, this was the only Van Halen album I played that night. I had to hear that one and go back to when I first started listening to Van Halen. And that made everything all right after that because that was like a, it's a solid album. This like not a bad track on it. This was the first album where Eddie Van Halen started playing keyboards as well as guitars. He started out as being classically trained on piano along with his brother Alex, who's the band's drummer. In fact, the first song on the album has him playing electric piano through his Marshall guitar amplifier. 
and the Cradle Rock, you could have mistaken it for a guitar at first, considering uh, the sound of the piano on there. Of course, a lot of the other classic tracks on there, Everybody Wants Some, Lost of Control, which is an early video for you can see it on YouTube, Take Your Whiskey Home, which almost suggests like it's going to be a Skinner track, but then it goes in a totally different direction. Thank God I can't stand Skinner. Uh, could This Be Magic, which is uh, Van Halen Gone Acoustic. You can hear David Lee Roth playing rhythm acoustic behind Eddie playing slide lead. Also, you can't help talking about the Worm and the Children album without mentioning the infamous Helmet Newton poster of Diamond David Lee Roth that uh, ended up in that album. In fact, when the album came out, they did not have the typical inner sleeve for the album. They actually put the album in the poster. And uh, as you can imagine, when the album was being shipped, some of the uh, records were like uh, beat up on the uh, folds inside the poster and uh, not make it too intact. But uh, not like I was going to hang up the poster anyway, but the poster's still in there protecting the record. My copy anyway. Next up on the list, 1984, which came out, of course, in 1984. The big Van Halen album, probably their biggest seller. You've all heard Jump, Hot for Teacher, Panama. Those songs are still great. The whole album is a solid piece of work. I mean, you got album cuts on there like Top Jimmy and Drop Dead Legs. Top Jimmy being about a uh, popular L.A. bar band called Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs, who actually uh, played on a couple of episodes of uh, New Wave Theater back in the day. You can probably see those on YouTube if you look. Of course, a single that never got a video from the album was Al Wait, which, if you never heard it, is this great synth-pop ballad. Of course, Eddie Van Halen jumps in a guitar in the middle. And so I think it's one of David Lee Roth's best vocal performances on that uh, track. It really shows his vocal range. One thing that surprised me about Al Waits is I found out, we all found out like years on down the line, that Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers co-wrote the song, which is weird because the original pressings of the album, they don't mention him, but uh, reissues since then and the compilations that came out, he gets co-credited with the rest of the band. May I think maybe even the Michael McDonald is singing, uh, helping out with the backing harmonies. I don't know. I'm probably wrong, but we do know he co-wrote it. Number two on our list, Fair Warning, which is considered by many to be Van Halen's darkest album, and with uh, song titles like Mean Street and Push Come to Shove, it's not hard to reason why that would be. The party vibe that you heard on the first three albums, not as much in evidence except maybe on the big single from this album, Unchained. Also, another fun fact about this album, Eddie Van Halen's first experimentation with a synthesizer is on this album, on the uh, last two tracks on the album, Sunday Afternoon in the Park and One Foot Out the Door. And I think it was like one of those cheap uh, electro-harmonic synthesizers that had like just like a sheet with the uh, keyboard laid out on it, so you could just like slide your finger on the keyboard and you get these lasandos on there. At any rate, that was not an ordinary black and white keyboard on that particular uh, instrument. I should note that not only do a lot of people consider that to be Van Halen's darkest album with the original lineup, some people would dare say it's also their best album. Of course, there's a lot of albums in the Van Halen catalog you could say that about. Okay, before we get to the top uh, pick for this uh, episode, let's take a quick peek at what we did not include on our little uh, five-piece list. 
Obviously, Diver Down, not on our list. The album from 1982, good album, but not so very well talked about much in the Van Halen camp because it was half cover versions, and that ended up being out of necessity from what I understand because they were just going to do a single of them covering the Royal Orbison song Pretty Woman, and then when that became a surprise hit, they got rushed back into the studio by the label, and they didn't have enough material at the time, so that's why there's so many cover versions on there. But, a, but still a fun album to uh, listen to. And if you've gone through the other five albums I mentioned on this list, definitely add that one to the collection. Also, then mention Van Halen 2, which is not a bad album either, but you gotta understand, when it's the middle child in between their first album and Women and Children first, it's gonna get a little overlooked, even though you got songs like Beautiful Girls on there and uh, their version of You're No Good, Somebody Get Me a Doctor, songs like that. Also, obviously, uh, none of the uh, Sammy Hagar albums got mentioned in this list. The only one I remotely considered was the first one they did with Sammy, which was 5150 from 1986. And uh, thinking back about this album, I think a lot of the songs, a lot of the music on the album was written when Dave was still in the band. So his vibe is pretty much still in the room, even though Sammy Hagar took over. After that... uh, I did check out the other albums that he Sammy did with them, but they did not grab me as much as the Diamond David Lee Roth stuff. I'm sorry. I'm not a Sammy Hager fan to begin with. I gave him a chance, but meh. And I know my best friend Brian Morgan, who eventually will help me co-host this show at some point, is out there listening to this, but... uh the less said about Van Halen 3, the only album they did with Gary Cherone from Extreme, the better. Coincidentally, the uh, last track on that album, it's not Gary singing, it's Eddie. So you could at least check out that song. Now, if you're still not sure about the whole fuss about Eddie Van Halen's passing or about Van Halen's existence in the rock and roll continuum, you have to understand what Eddie Van Halen did on the guitar was a game changer. Hardly anybody did fingerboard tapping on the guitar until Eddie Van Halen did. There are other examples, but nobody did like he did before, and he's been widely imitated since, and the party vibe that uh, Van Halen usually gave has been widely imitated in the hair metal genre ever since, often badly, I'm going to say it, very badly, very, very badly, am I repeating myself? It's my podcast. It's my opinion. At the same time, though, even though Van Halen might get looked at as a party band, Van Halen was a band that both metalheads and punk rockers liked. I mean, you look at the fact that uh, at least two members of Black Flag, uh, Ron Reyes and Henry Rollins, are big fans of Van Halen, especially with Diamond Dave. The Minutemen covered Ain't Talking About Love on their seminal Double Nickels on the Dime album in like a 40-second version that kind of gets right to the meat of the song. You could say distills the essence, if you want to call it that. And to be honest, I don't think anybody has anything rotten to say about Van Halen, especially the Diamond David Lee Roth era, although some people do like the Sammy Hagar era, and I acknowledge and respect that. And definitely nobody has a bad thing to say about Eddie Van Halen himself, even when he was alive. Everybody who gave testimony to him talked about, if they met him, what a nice guy he was and how, uh, how should I say, not shy, but very down-to-earth and normal human being type person with uh, the wild genius brain floating inside of him that made up 
all those techniques and all those uh, innovations and all those riffs. Let's not forget all those riffs. I don't even have to talk about them. All I got to do is pick up one of his albums and listen. Even one of the Sammy Hager albums if you ignore Sammy's voice and listen to Eddie's guitar playing. Because that was the center of Van Halen all the time, no matter who was singing, who was producing, who was playing bass, whatever. The center of it all was always Eddie Van Halen and his guitar. And that big smile of his whenever he was on stage playing that guitar. And that's the image we should all hold dear in our hearts and our minds when we think about Eddie Van Halen from now on as we go on to live in a world without Eddie Van Halen in it. All that having been said, let's get to the top Van Halen album that you should have in your collection. This is definitely the one you should buy first, and that is the first Van Halen album, unofficially titled Van Halen 1. This is where it all started. The big melange of hard rock, glam, punk, R&B, and whatever, all distilled in one 30-plus minute package. Nine songs, stellar production from Ted Templeman, pretty much live playing, very few overdubs, except maybe uh, the final vocals and the backing vocals, maybe the occasional uh, rim guitar in a track or two, but pretty much what's on the album is what people were hearing in Los Angeles when Van Halen were playing the clubs, and what people would experience when Van Halen started playing the concert circuit right after this album came out and started to pave their own path in the world of rock and roll. Not a bad track on the album. All classics. Run with the Devil, On Fire, I'm the One, Ice Cream Man, Eruption, the epic guitar solo that Eddie became famous for almost overnight amongst guitar players and rock aficionados. You really got me the uh, Kinks cover that they turbocharged and made their own. There is not enough that can be said about this album, but talking about it does nothing. You have to own this album and listen to it at least 20 times in your lifetime, if not more. And I can say from experience, the first time you put this album down on your turntable or your CD player, or if you just buy the digital files and put them on your iPhone or whatever, you'll be playing this album a few times in a row. You'll be burning a CD from your car and leaving it in your car for a week straight. That is the test of a great album. That's Van Halen 1. That is a bulletproof classic album, must own, must have in your collection. I've gotten mine as soon as I hit stop on record and finish editing this podcast. That is exactly what I am going to do. That is exactly what you should do. Get all five of these Van Halen albums that I mentioned. And in the meantime, while we're talking about that, if you're a fan of Van Halen and you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and tell me your opinion about uh, the albums I picked. Tell me why you like these albums or why you like other albums better. Do it on social media through our uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at TGML Podcast, or go to anchor.fm slash TGML Podcast and leave a voicemail message with your opinions about your favorite Van Halen album, your memories of Van Halen, whatever you want to share with us, we're all ears, and we'll even put it on the show. Until next week, I've done enough rambling. I'm going to do some listening. You should, too. 
to your favorite album, hopefully maybe your favorite Van Halen album this week in honor of Eddie. Until the next episode, I'm CJ Marcy Cano, and I bid you a good day. Rock on, my friends. The Groove Music Life Podcast is a generic Yellow Bird production.